God would take upon himself flesh. And in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Wow, what a truth. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 3. Continuing our verse-by-verse study of this tremendous and very important book for the New Testament church. Galatians, it is like the Magna Carta. It is like the main document about justification by faith. And it is a letter that Paul is writing to a group of churches. Not just one church, but to many churches. We know of at least four of them in this region of South Galatia in the first missionary journey. And after the churches were established, much like our church, if you can imagine, gathering together to sing songs of praise, hear specials, have teaching from the Word of God, give of our um, possessions, and all, you know, all of these things that we're doing as acts of worship, the Galatian churches were doing. But the false teachers crept in, and we're going to hear about them tonight again. But they came in, twisting and distorting the gospel message, changing it deceitfully, and the people were taking it all in. It was bringing damage to the church in a number of ways. First of all, they were getting confused about the gospel, although they wouldn't lose their salvation because they're born again. They could not lose their salvation. But when they started adding works to the gospel message, anything that they did in the community, the marketplace, it would have been devastating. People would have thought, I need to get to heaven. I need my sins paid. It has to be Jesus plus something. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus baptism. Jesus plus communion. Jesus plus something. Nobody would have gotten saved. Not only that, the believers in Galatia would have stopped growing. Their growth would have been stopped. Paul says it this way in chapter 5. You stopped running your race. You came to a, like a dead stop. Who hindered you from running your race? Because the Galatians, putting themselves back under the law, just became more lawless. They weren't becoming more godly. They were becoming more lawless. That's what happens when you live by a, an external standard. It has no power to change your life or your heart. And we'll talk more about that in Galatians chapter 5 and 6. So it was very critical that Paul send this letter. And it gets, gets sent to all of the churches of Galatia. And for the first two chapters, we saw how he defended his apostleship. And we see that he said, listen, I was an apostle from the time I was in my mother's womb. God called me for this ministry. I am equal on a same equal playing field as the other 12 apostles. And the, the gospel that I was given was revealed to me directly by Jesus himself. I was not taught it by another man. It did not come by man or, or any type of teaching or school, but it came from the Lord himself. It is the true gospel. And then the false teachers would have said, well, Paul, if yours is the true gospel, maybe it's different than the Jerusalem apostles. So Paul goes up to Jerusalem with Titus, says, hey, our gospel is all the same. There's unanim- there's, it's unanimous. It's all the same gospel. So Paul's gospel is not any different, but it was authoritative, just as the other 12. And then we saw in chapter 2 how at the end of the chapter, Peter is playing the hypocrite. He has the right theology, it's just his behavior is not matching up. So he's living like a Gentile all the time and having no problem with it. But as soon as the, the Judaizers come down from Jerusalem, he begins to play the hypocrite by saying, you Gentiles, who I've been hanging around with and living like, you have now have to become Jewish in order to be accepted by Jesus and the church. So you're not even saved. You need to become Jewish. Get circumcised and follow the Mosaic law. And Paul looks at this and says, no way. 
Peter, you know that even we Jewish people who lived under the law, there's no way the law can save us. We cannot be good enough to go to heaven. Man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Peter, that's the message. And we heard all of that this morning through chapter 2, verse 21. Now he begins a new section where for two chapters, what he's going to do is say, Galatians, listen, you you knew what the real gospel was. Now let me remind you. He's going to remind the Galatians in two ways. First of all, tonight's text, verses 1 through 5, Paul says, I want you to remember your salvation Remember the experience of the day that I came to your city and I preached the gospel and you trusted in Jesus, no circumcision involved. You trusted in Jesus and it happened. You were born again. Remember your salvation. All right, so that's what he's going to do first. Remember the experience of your salvation. And then the second thing he's going to do to explain the gospel to the Galatians, he's going to take them right to scripture and say, here is what the scripture says. So we've got two kind of tests or two kind of authorities. Number one is the experience of the Galatians. And number two, well, what does scripture say about it? So let's take a look. But let's pray first. Father, thank you for this text of scripture, five verses that Paul speaks to the Galatians about that they need to answer in their own heart to know what is the gospel. Does it include some works of the law? Does it include some religion, some type of baptism, some type of communion, some type of good deeds of some kind, some type of turning from their sin to be saved? Does that, is that what is required? Or will the Galatians realize they were saved by grace through faith alone? And once they remembered that, it should have set them back on the right path. I pray, Father, that we would remember our salvation, that we would remember the very day, if, we, if possible, that we trusted in Jesus. So thank you again, Father, that our salvation is not based on our work. It is based entirely on Jesus' finished work. Our response is to trust. Faith alone. Thank you again for this great, great book of the Bible. Please encourage us and strengthen our faith tonight to the praise and the glory of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're looking at Galatians chapter 3. Here's how Paul starts the text. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. So listen. Can you imagine you're one of the Galatian churches? Maybe you're the church in Iconium. All right? And you were saved maybe a year ago. So it's still fresh in your mind. You were in the marketplace buying some bread. Maybe you were getting a basket or something. Or whatever you were doing. And you heard this itinerant preacher. And he was babbling about something. And so you stopped and you listened. And, he, and you heard when he explained that Jesus was crucified outside of the city of Jerusalem. And then all that took place, the earth shaking, the darkness that covered the earth, the sin of mankind being placed on the Savior, all of that, and you responded. So remember that. Maybe it just is that fresh as maybe a couple months or a year ago. Now you get Paul's letter. Picture you're sitting in church, and the man who led you to the Lord by giving the message says this, Oh, foolish Galatians! Now, how are you going to, you're sitting in your pew, how do you feel? Oh, okay, we got to figure out what that means. Who bewitched you that you should stop obeying the truth? 
Okay, then we have to think of that. And then this, I want to know one thing from you. Now you're almost sitting on the edge of your pew chair. You're on the edge of your chair and you're thinking, what does Paul want to learn from me? Here it is. Verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Good questions. All right? How did you get saved? Was it by the deeds of the law or by the hearing with faith? All right. We know the answer already, but let's go back and see what he was really trying to get across. Verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. Interesting word. This word foolish is. There are different words for fool in the Bible. This one, it's not like there's a, a word that would mean like moron, somebody who doesn't have the ability to think. That's not this word. This word means somebody who deliberately doesn't think. They have the ability. They have the knowledge. They can do it. It's just that they're choosing not to put it all together. They're, not, they're choosing by sinful neglect not to add everything up. Not to be thinking about it. They're opposite of the Bereans. Remember how the Bereans were? Paul would preach a message to the people of Berea, and they would say, hmm, I don't trust Paul. I want to see what God says about it. Now, they were thinkers. They would take whatever was read, and they would look in the Bible and say, does it say that? If it does, I can agree with it. If it doesn't, I reject it. That's the Bereans. The Galatians, foolish. They had it all. But they did not think about it. By the way, I think this is how false cults get get going. It's because it requires thinking the truth. And people are so emotional. You could get a charismatic leader, like uh, Jim Jones, and the next thing you know, you're drinking Kool-Aid. All right. Now, this, yeah, this, this does not make sense. Why, do people, why would people follow a path like that? It is because they are foolish. They are not thinking about reality and about truth. And people are led into all sorts of, they are led into all sorts of cults. The Haley Bop comic cult. I mean, you name it, uh, David Koresh. How do they get involved in that? They were doing what the Galatians were doing. They, they knew these different facts. They just didn't think about it. They, didn't, they, let their, they let their heart get carried away without their mind being involved. Do you know why? This is why I do believe, you know, in, in the years that I've been preaching and even before I was, you know, when other pastors were here, the foundation of this church is God's word. And we have to be centered on God's word. Our services have to be centered on what does God's word say to us? How do we apply it? How do we live it out? This is what we are based on. If we're based on feelings and emotions, we're going to be all over the place. Now listen, we should be feeling and emotional people. We should be able to sing songs and they should cause a tear or an emotion in us, but we're not driven by that. We're driven by what does God say? So the Galatians were foolish. They, they had all the facts and all the truth, they just chose not to think about it. So when the false teachers came in, thinking was out the door, and emotions took over. And they're like, well, yeah, those false teachers, they have lots of class, lots of charisma. They have lots of knowledge. They're right. Paul's right. There's right. Everybody's right. They I mean, just weren't thinking. Jesus uses this in Luke 24. Remember on the road to Emmaus, on the day of the resurrection, what has happened? Jesus was crucified. Darkness covered the earth. The earth shook. Our sins were paid. Jesus was laid into a tomb. 
He came out of the tomb. Angels came down, moved the stone away, all the sorts of things. And the body is gone. And the two disciples back on the road to Emmaus, they've been in Jerusalem for this whole feast. They've seen it all. They've heard it all. They have all the facts. They're walking home and Jesus shows up. And they're like, are you the only person who hasn't heard what's been going on in Jerusalem lately? It's all in the news. This carpenter from Nazareth who was crucified. We thought he was the son of God, the Messiah. But he, I guess he's not. What does Jesus say? Oh, foolish ones. He says, oh, you slow of heart. Oh, you fo-. He uses the same Greek word. Oh, you foolish ones. You have all the facts about my crucifixion from the Old Testament. You saw it happen. You heard about the resurrection. You have Psalm 16. You you have all of these texts. You just think about it and put it all together, but you can't. You're not thinking. So I encourage you, as with first application, be discerning. Be thinkers. When you hear a radio preacher, I mean, I was listening to a radio preacher. I won't tell you who. Well, I'll tell you who. It was Joel Osteen. I was listening to him just to find out, you know, what was his message going to be that day? And I'll tell you what, it was a very happy, feel good, you'll be successful, you'll think the right thought, and it'll just happen, and today's your best day of the rest of your life, on and on. And, but there was not one mention of my sin, the cross, my, the payment, the resurrection, Jesus' return. There was nothing about Jesus, but it was a lot about me. And I know people that are born again, believers that at one time very solid in their faith that have now drifted off and they're in all sorts of other camps. All right? Now, I'm not saying our church is the only one right. We're not. I want to be right. I want to be biblical as best we can. So we're not the only ones right in the area. But I want to be biblical, whatever we do. So, oh, foolish Galatians. Oh, Galatians, you're not thinking. You're not adding it all up. You're being carried away by your heart, by emotions. And then he says this. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? This word bewitched, it means to cast a spell like with an evil eye. It has to do with the eye. Like casting a spell with your eye. Maybe hypnotizing somebody. Not that magic took place in the church. That the false teachers didn't come in with some magic things. But they were being hypnotized like they were under a spell of an evil eye. That's the word used. Notice this. Paul says, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clear. You see how he uses the eye reference? You've been cast over with an evil eye, so you're being deceived, when really, with your eyes, I showed you Christ crucified clearly. Just remember that. Think about that. Now, how did they get bewitched so easily? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take time. It's going to shorten up other things. I need to show this to you. Genesis 12. Let me tell you how they were bewitched. Genesis 12. God chose Abram out of all the world to be the father of all the blessings, right? Really, the father of a great nation. And he gave Abraham some promises. Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, he's 75 years old, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. I will give you three, three things, Abraham. I will make you a great... Okay, first of all, verse 1, I'll give you a land. Verse 2, I'm going to make you a great nation. Many, many descendants. Number three, I'll give you spiritual blessings beyond measure. Verse two. Look at verse three. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Wait a minute. In Abraham, who's going to be blessed? All the families of the earth. And who are the Gentiles? All the families. If you are one of the all the families of the earth, one of the Gentiles then your only source of blessing is going to be in Abraham. True? 
If you're not in Abraham, you don't get the blessings because God said, Abraham, out of you I will bless all the families of the earth. Not out of anybody else, but so you've got to be in Abraham. People, you've got to get circumcised and be Jewish. If you're a male, get circumcised and be Jewish and you'll be entered right into Abram's line. And you women, put yourself under the Jewish law and you'll be part of Abraham's family. It says, all families will be blessed because of Abraham. But listen, I can prove it to you in Genesis 17. Go to Genesis 17. Can you tell already how they misused the scriptures? And by the way, this is going to come up next Sunday night or the week after when the Apostle Paul teaches from the scriptures. He's going to use the same text in a different way. Genesis 17. Look with me at verse 9. Genesis 17, verse 9. Do you see how bewitched they could be? They could be hypnotized by these verses, get carried away, and not think about the cross and the crucifixion. They'd be way off track. Verse 9. Here's what God said to Abraham. As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. You want to be in Abraham's covenant? According to this text, what must you do? If you're a male, you must be circumcised. That's what the text says. Verse 12, He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generations. He who was born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house, he who is bought with your money must be circumcised. Must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be what? Cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. If you don't want to break God's covenant, you've got to get circumcised. Sounds convincing, doesn't it? The Bible says it right in Genesis. You want to be part of the blessing of Abraham? The covenant is circumcision. Very convincing. So the false teachers would say, believe in Jesus? Sure. Plus circumcision. What did Paul say about that? Let them be accursed. That is wrong. That is a misuse of scripture. All right? So that's how they were bewitched. They weren't thinking. Here's what they should have been thinking about. Does you guys understand those texts? You'll get them in the, in the right context shortly. Let's go back to Galatians 3. Here's what Paul says. Let's get your theology right, is what he tells them. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Who has bewitched you that you, should not, that you should not obey the truth? And then here it is. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This idea of clearly portrayed, we would use the word in our modern culture, billboard. You drive up and down I-35 or all over. What do you see? Billboards. Huge billboards. Advertising and clearly portraying different things that they're selling or different things that are going on. Paul says, You with your eyes, I showed you clearly, vividly, like a billboard up on the marketplace, what Jesus Christ did for you. He was the crucified one. I told you about his crucifixion and how he died for all of your sins. Right? He died for all of your sins. So you have to go back. What do you have to to remember about your experience? That you were saved because of the cross. Not because of the cross plus circumcision. Not because of the cross plus some ritual. For us in our culture, we don't use circumcision. We'd say baptism. It's not Jesus plus baptism. 
It's not Jesus plus communion, Jesus plus confirmation, Jesus plus Bible study, Jesus plus prayer, Jesus plus turning from your sin, Jesus plus... It's none of that. It is Jesus Christ alone because he died for you on the cross. Galatians, remember that. Think about it. Add it up. All right, so that's the first part of this. All right, that makes sense. Let's go to verse 2. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Well, what's the answer? They received it by the hearing accompanied with faith. They heard the gospel, they placed their faith in Jesus, and that is how they were born again. That is how they were entering into a relationship with Jesus. It was not by the works of the law. Paul never told them, you must be circumcised, you must obey the law, you must do this, you must do that. He never once said that. It was always grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So Galatians, this one thing I want to learn, how did you receive your salvation? And they would have no choice, according to verse 2, they would have to say, we received the Spirit of God by faith. We heard the gospel, we believed, and God gave us the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God coming into an individual's life is the telltale evidence of, of salvation. Do you agree that every believer has the Holy Spirit in them? Every single believer has the Holy Spirit. So the evidence that you are a believer is that you have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not born again. But can you see the Spirit? No, you cannot. But can you know that he's working in your life? And the answer is absolutely. Go over to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. I think this would be the Holy Spirit. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So you have as a believer the Holy Spirit and the flesh, your sinful nature, despises the Holy Spirit. And they are at war. They are contrary to one another. So if you don't have that, I would say you don't have the spirit. Because if you don't have any type of warring between, here's what my flesh wants to do, but I know this is what Jesus wants me to do, if there's no conflict or or warring, well, then I would say it doesn't seem like the Spirit is there if it's all the flesh. Look at some other evidences, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. How do you know if an apple tree is an apple tree? Because it bears apples. If it's not bearing apples, I have no clue what it is. Maybe you can tell by the leaf, but I would never believe it's an apple tree if it doesn't bear some fruit. Here is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You have some of those fruit bearing in your life. You, can, you have some evidence, then, of your salvation. So he was telling the Galatians, how did you receive the Spirit of God in your life? Because you were under the law, doing deeds of the law? Nope. It's because you heard the gospel and you responded by faith. Go back to chapter 3 and let's, let's look in the next verse. Verse 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, so you did get the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation without circumcision, without obeying all the ceremonial laws and all the Old Testament laws. You began in the Holy Spirit. Why do you think you can be completed by the deeds of the flesh? Makes no sense. If you started your life with the Holy Spirit regenerating you, well, then you grow in your spiritual life with the Holy Spirit, sanctifying work. You cannot be made perfect working in the flesh. Because in the flesh dwells what? No good thing. 
Nothing, in, there's nothing in my flesh that dwells that's good. It is Christ living in me, producing the life of, the Spirit of God producing Christ-likeness in my life. So they have to realize, spiritual growth needs the Holy Spirit, and you receive that Holy Spirit at salvation. Now look at verse 4. Another question. One question after another. Galatians, think about your experience of of salvation. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. So they did suffer a lot. Let me take take you to the book of Acts, quickly. Acts chapter 13. Let me show you just a few of the things that they suffered. Paul says, when you were born again, you received the Spirit, you were given evidence of the Spirit in your life. By the way, in the early church, the evidence was with workings and miracles, which we don't have today. So they had some more evidences of the Holy Spirit manifestation than we do. All right? They had some other clearly manifested signs that are not for this age of the church. Um, but not only that, Paul says, you are saved without any circumcision, and boy, did you suffer. Was it just empty suffering because you weren't really saved at that time? Here's his, here's his point. Acts chapter 13. Look with me at verse 42. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So this is a church in Antioch, the city of South Galatia. They begged Paul and Barnabas to preach those same words the next week. And when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. And these are part of the people that Paul is writing the book of Galatians to. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. And then look all the way down at verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So if they were persecuting Paul and Barnabas, no doubt the believers left behind, can you imagine? Paul and Barnabas get kicked out of Antioch, Pisidia. They are forced to leave and now... You, where can you go? Your house is here. Your family is here. Your job is here. And they know you're a Christ follower. They know you follow the Messiah, Jesus. And so now you're being persecuted. Paul says, when you were persecuted, you were born again by the Spirit of God. Did you suffer all of that for nothing? Did it matter that you even suffered for Jesus? They could have instantly said, hey, it's Jesus plus circumcision. They would have been left off the hook. There would have been no persecution. The whole persecution came because Paul and Barnabas were saying, it's not tied to the law at all. It's by grace through faith alone. He realized that the Protestant church, when they broke off from the Catholic church, was, they were going against much of the Catholic church tradition and ritual. And they were saying, we don't need this. We don't need penance and reconciliation. We don't need those things for salvation. Salvation is by grace through faith. That's the whole Reformation. Grace through faith alone. And so you can imagine the persecution. Do you know how many people were burned at the stake? There are stories of people that sat next to a bishop of the church and accidentally sat on the person's robe. And the person, and the, and the person said, and this is in Fox's Book of Martyrs, um, hey, do you know who I am? You just sat on my robe. I sing people's souls out of purgatory. 
And the person said, there is no purgatory. The Bible says Jesus died for our sins alone. And the bishop was so angry, had that 16 or 17-year-old boy burned at the stake. Another person was reading their Bible all by themselves. They were caught by a bishop or, a, or somebody in the church. And then the next day, they were sentenced to, to death burning at the stake. All because people said it is by grace through faith alone. So people have suffered all the way through history in the church. The Galatians were some of the first. Paul says, when you suffered that way, was it all for nothing? Was it all empty? What's the answer to the Galatians? They would have been sitting in the pew just like you are. They would have said, you're right, Paul. In the marketplace, I heard and I believed the Holy Spirit indwelt me and I suffered for it. It's not in vain. It is not in vain. And then the last question. Uh, by the way, you can finish reading through Acts 13 and 14. You'll find many persecutions on the Galatians. And then let's go to the last one, this last verse. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, this is God the Father. Because God the Father is supplying the Holy Spirit to the Galatians and allowing all of these miracles to be worked. Does God do that because, the works, because all the Galatians were doing the works of the law? Or were they, was he doing it because they had faith in Jesus? Remember that lame man in Lystra who had never been able to walk, even from his mother's womb? And then Paul saw that he had faith and said to him, Rise, take up your bed. And, and, and this man leapt up. He did it because he had faith in the Lord and all the Galatians knew it. So when God supplied miracles, was it because they were under the law, obeying all the minute details of the law? Or was it because they had faith in Jesus Christ? And the answer, all the Galatians would answer is, because we had faith in Jesus. And see, that's what Paul's trying to drive home. Your very experience shows you salvation is simple. Jesus Christ did it all. You did nothing you didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't do any religious rite or ritual. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. It is a gift by Jesus Christ alone. From your very own experience, you now can verify it. So when the false teachers come in, don't be bewitched. Don't be tricked. Don't get your eyes off the cross. Listen to the cross. There's an interesting word here. Verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles. This word supplies, it's the word epichoriago. We kind of get choreography from it. We know choreography. Choreography is like a dance or something like that. But this word supplies, it was used in the Greek when you wanted to have a big drama, like a Greek tragedy or a Greek drama in your city. You would rent out the, the pavilion or the stage, and then you would have to pay all of the talent, all the actors, the actresses. You'd have to pay for their costume and their outfits. You'd have to pay for their food. You'd have to pay for their beverages. You'd have to pay for their housing. You'd have to supply all the needs of the chorus. So if you really, really wanted to have this great drama or event in your city, you would pay a lot of money to get this drama team to come into the city to perform. And you would pay all of the expense, abundant expense, that's the word used. 
God, when he supplied the Spirit, it was above and beyond and lavish. How much of the Spirit of God did he give us? 100% of the Spirit. At the moment of salvation. Listen, anybody who says you're saved, and then years later, if you do this, 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 you'll get a special second blessing of the Holy Spirit, they're out of their mind. He doesn't do that. You get all of the Spirit of God immediately. This passage of five verses contradicts so many false cults, so many um, false teachings, one after another. The Father who abundantly supplies the Spirit to us. We have everything we need for life and godliness. And he, for the Galatians, worked miracles among them. He did it only by the hearing of faith. They listened, they heard the gospel, and they believed. That's the gospel. You have to believe Jesus died for your sins and rose again. Listen, do you know how many churches in our area are teaching Jesus plus some work, some effort, some ritual? So many. And people are sitting into that teaching constantly. Paul says, Galatians, don't do it. Be steadfast with the gospel. It is, it is your whole life. It is everything. So, what kind of applications can we get quickly? Number one, let's not be foolish. Meaning, let's be thinkers. Let's make sure we follow the Bible. Know the Bible, listen to the Bible, study the Bible. This is our absolute authority. I am not the absolute authority. The Word of God is the absolute authority. Can I ask you a question? Will we ever go wrong as a church making sure we follow the lines of Scripture? Will we ever go wrong? The answer is no, we won't. The time we go wrong is when we get our eyes off this and go elsewhere. And then being bewitched, being led astray, having a spell cast over us, it is easy to get caught up in the emotion. And pretty soon we're, we are distracted and we're off track. Um, keep, here's the third application, keep the cross before you every day. Please, every day. You should live a cross-centered life. When you wake up and you put everything at the cross and you realize everything that I am is because of Jesus. He died for all of my sins. He forgave me. He loves me. And today, I choose to live for him. He is my Savior. He is my God. I'll let no idol creep up. I'll let nothing distract me from Jesus. That's what we need to do every single day. All right? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And then, my last application. Paul said, to the, and this is my most important one, Paul said, Galatians, the evidence of your salvation lies within you. You received the Holy Spirit of God. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Don't say it out loud. Do you know that you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you? Listen, the third person of the Godhead. Do you know he's living in you? Do you have that evidence? And again, I'm not saying that you can do miracles because I don't believe that that's for this age at all. Those passed away off the scene when the apostles passed away and um, the word of God was confirmed. But is there evidence? Do you know that there's a, do you know a radical transformation has taken place? Do you see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, self-control? Is all of that part of your life? Is there a battle between the world and what you know is right? All right, think about it. I want you to know I have the Holy Spirit in me. One last quick thought. 
In Ephesians, you know what Paul said? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's our command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And out of that will flow some more evidence of the Holy Spirit. Giving thanks for all things. There's going to be singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. And there's going to be submission one to another. Three things. Giving of thanks, singing and making melody in your heart, and another evidence of the filling of the Spirit, submitting one to another. A good sign of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, thank you for this text. Just to realize that Paul was now calling on the Galatians to wake up, to come out of their spell, to come out of their non-thinking, and to begin thinking about the cross, and to put everything next to the cross. Jesus died alone for our sins. He paid for them. Any ritual or rite or good deed or work of the law will have no benefit towards my salvation. None at all. He did it all, 100%. Help us to remember that. Then to realize we are just your chosen vessels. We are simply instruments for you. We are a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, his temple. Thank you, Father, that the Spirit has given us love and joy and peace and long-suffering. And he has given us the ability to love others and to give thanks for all things and sing and make melody in our heart. There's so many assurances that we have. But thank you again, Father, for Jesus Christ crucified and for the clear, simple gospel message. Help us to be steadfast and to guard it and to live in the gospel every day. Christ died for me. He rose for me. Therefore, I choose to live for him. Just protect the church over the week. Guide us. Give us a lot of opportunities to witness to the lost, to share the gospel with others, to come together for prayer in the middle of the week and for youth group and master club. And may you be glorified in all things that we do this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, thank you so much for your attention.